Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. MOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly. But, Mr. Kelly, before you leave, I see you have a new hat. Well, wow. it's not new. I think it's, it's not. Well, you know, it was this like two years ago, I think, is when the, it's the KMOX Cardinals cap. And I got up this morning, and as you can see, I needed to wear a hat, right? Why? And uh, thanks. And I, I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess with Mike. I'm gonna wear a Cardinals hat. That really yeah. shocked me. Yeah, I knew. I, was, see? I could barely catch my breath when I came through the door because it's always blues. It's always blues, and I, you know, nothing. I just decided I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess with Mike today. Man, oh man, you gotta I don't keep know if you I can on your toes. Show. Yeah. So you feel like doing the garden hotline? I could do that. Okay. Sure. Yeah. All water. Right. It's all yours. Water it. Water, water, Everybody water, 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 water. Yeah, water. water. You got to water it. It's really dry water. And, and just soak it. Soak it. Don't just like spring it. Right. Soak it. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. So you must be listening to the Garden Hotline, or you're just a smart horticulturist. I'm uh, both. Uh, I became a smart horticulturist by listening to the Garden Hotline. No way. Yeah. That guy is full of it on well, the Garden Hotline. I know, hotline. but, you know, he fakes He's it well. He's full of manure. <laughs> That's the other thing. You want a manure, and you want a water. Exactly. You got the manure on Total Information AM. This is the water for your Saturday. (laughs) Great. Thanks. Thanks for passing the baton. And we'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, folks. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments about your outdoors, your houseplants, or anything else, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Every morning we get together. No, not every morning. Of course not. Just Saturday mornings. And we discuss your yard, your landscape, your garden, your houseplants, potting mixes versus potting soil, soil improvement, pruning, bugs, diseases, plant removals, and how to make those best choices. Please remember my words, open opportunities after that is going to be the effort by you in this great marathon called gardening. This is your show, and I certainly appreciate you being here. Thanks to James. James is producing today. I didn't even, I've never even known James. I've never seen him before, but he looks very capable. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. Oh, my goodness gracious. That seems like a long time ago. And uh, I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. Also, I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. And I just finished or sent my article for the, let's see, is it September-October issue? So that should be coming out, I guess, in September-October. So anyway, they always like to have those articles a couple months ahead. During the week, and sometimes on the weekend, I do landscape consulting. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and 
You can go to my homepage. There's where my phone number is and my email address. So you can reach me and we can try to set up a time. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Well, I left home and I, like I always say, I never know where I'm going to take my Good Gardening Stroll. I don't sort of like pre-think it unless there's something really obvious. So I turned off Morgan Ford. And as you turn off into the parking lot, you're greeted by a gang of shrub roses. There's some pink, white, and reds. And more prominent, though, is a very tall yellow evening primrose. And that's not a rose, but it is a primrose. And that's a native wildflower. On the opposite side, sitting up on high on top of a stone wall, you're going to see some white pines and some arborvitae, which are planted in, you know, boxes, big, large boxes. There's a fire truck there as well, a pavilion with roofing and a tent. And then I walked along the south side of Morgan Ford, and uh, there's a unique stone wall, which kind of mimics some of the architecture of the building that this is all part of. And there's a green painted fence, gate, and then along there, there's a low stack drywall of limestone planted with boxwood, creeping thyme, there is also some periwinkle, and that's the perennial periwinkle, ground cover, blue flowers in the spring, magnolia, sedum, and next is a substantial patch of ivy. I couldn't tell if it was Baltic or Bulgarian or English. Those are tough to distinguish. But anyway, they're all underneath a maroon leaf maple. Couldn't tell if it was a crimson king maple. I don't think it was. I think it was probably a Japanese maple, but I didn't go take a look close enough. Then there's a doorway. Then you're going to see some more roses, some dianthus, some rug junipers, and a really narrow hornbeam, which a single-planted hornbeam like that you don't see too often. But uh, then hugging the architecture of the building, more shrub roses, some more rug junipers, and then flowing, creeping thyme, which is the thyme, or no, not thyme, phlox, sorry. Phlox, that's the one that blooms in the early spring. There's boxwood in there as well. And then the steps lead up to Gravoy. There's large pots of dragonwing begonias. They look great. The stone planter has, uh, at Delore, striking pink begonias as well, boxwood accents. And looking skyward, I see windmill blades. So where am I? Well, I'm at Das Bevo. So the building's fantastic. The windmill's fantastic. And quite the place as far as plant material, at least on that side. I didn't go into the entrance side because it's gated now. I used to, you know, I think it's been gated for a while. So they just open up when they are open. So anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. If you have any questions, 314-436-7900, This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Please give us a call. James looks bored. He says, oh, the garden hauling and plants material is really boring. So anyway, but uh, I'll tell you what. They're predicting rain tonight after midnight, but get out there and water your landscape now. What you want to do is you want to make sure that your ground is not super dry. So if it does rain tonight after midnight, if the ground is really dry, whether it's the lawn area or bed space or anything else, 
it's a lot of it's going to run off. This past week, I got very lucky. I watered on Wednesday, and then we had a really nice storm for about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes on Thursday. So that I had very little runoff. It all penetrated into the ground. And I'll tell you what, my zoysia was starting to look a little bit, ooh, droughty, dehydrated. And, you know, I water religiously and everything else, but it was getting pretty darn dry. So anyway, let's head out to Lake St. Louis and go into Jane's yard. Jane, how are you today? Jane, are you there? It was planted in 2014 by a landscape company. I was having trouble getting it to bloom the first couple of years. I called in and you said, it's probably just getting established. Be patient. Um, And I noticed someone else's Rose of Sharon tree, and they have a long trunk, as it were. Mine is about 18 inches before the branches start coming out. Mm-hmm. And I, when it was trying to bloom, when it had buds, it was very heavy, and I had to stake it up. I'm wondering, do I need to prune that tree so that it will have a, a taller trunk, prune some of those outside branches off? You're not going to make the trunk taller if you do limb it up. So, in other words, you're cutting off branches along the side of it. You give the impression that the trunk is longer. But Rosa Sharon's are really not trees. They're just shrubs. I know. Sometimes they happen to have a trunk to them because the production nursery decided, well, we want to have some with trunks and some without trunks. So you're saying yours still hasn't bloomed? Um, I pruned it back really hard. um, And it's, um, no, it's not butted out yet. So when did you prune it? I did it in the fall. Okay. And which is fine. You can you just you cannot prune, you know, any summer blooming thing whether it's Rosa Sharon, whether whether it's Budlia, whether it's crepe myrtle or anything else as after the new growth begins in the springtime. Right. right. So you're I doing know. everything right. So and it's in full sun? Uh, it it has a little shade in front of it. But for the most part it's in sun. Yes. And how tall is it now? Well, I've pruned it back. It's about six and a half feet tall now. Right. Well, if and how many years has it been with no flowers? With no flowers? Right. Or I think it was just that first that first spring. Okay, so it's just a matter, and you're fertilizing it. It was planted properly. All the foliage looks good color-wise oh, yeah. and everything else. Okay? Yeah. Well, then it's just, I mean, again, it's just patience. Okay. Either that or just say, <laughs> get rid of it and try another one. That's true. Okay. What okay, color? I just, just out of curiosity, about, what, what color is this one? It is uh, pale pink. Okay, so that may be part of the factor. It may be a little bit weaker variety, and especially with our screwball, screwball weather we've had this year. Oh, okay. Well, I hadn't thought about that, just the variety. Right. Okay, well, I'll be patient. All right. <laughs> okay, thank you for your help. Sure, thank you. And uh-huh. Bye-bye. Let's head from Lake St. Louis into Kirkwood and go into Margie's yard. Hi, Margie. Good morning. I have a question about um, uh, little bugs that you, when you clean your greens, store-bought greens that could come from California or Mexico or wherever. Um, I was cleaning romaine lettuce, and you usually get the little dead gnats. 
Um, and then one time I was cleaning and I got these little tiny, they look like tiny green grasshoppers and they were still alive. And what I always do is I hate to waste water. So I throw it in my garden or my, you know, potted plants out back. Is that potentially a problem if you're, could you be introducing, you know, bugs from a different area here? Is that not a good idea? Yes. Tell me where you live. I don't want to ever drive by your house because it scares me. Yeah. I mean, oh, no. you never know what, you know, what you can do as far as, you know, ad, you know, adding anything into the landscape could potentially be a problem for your landscape. And it could certainly exponentially grow out from that point. So, yeah. I, you know, that's not something I normally would recommend. But uh, if you feel comfortable with it, then are, when you say you throw it in your garden or your yard, are you throwing it into a compost pile? No, I'm just watering the plants while it's dry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to waste water. Right. So, no, I mean, uh, I would say I wouldn't necessarily do that, but you maybe you're fine. You know, who knows what the circumstance is going to be. Yeah. I mean, we've been yeah. introduced. So many different things have been introduced, you know, from foreign countries and everything else that have migrated in here, like the shrub honeysuckle and, you know, circumstances along that line. So. Yeah. Okay. So just be smart, be, you know, be environmentally conscious, and that's about the best thing you can possibly do. Right. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's a tough call. And, you know, with the greens and everything else, it's, uh, you know, it's, you never know what you're introducing, but just be careful when you buy anything. George in St. Louis, how are you? Doing well, Mike. Uh, Had a question relative to uh, transplanting bamboo. Uh, We've got a big uh, area of bamboo, about 20 by 20, and there's a lot of little new shoots, and we wanted to, you know, create another uh, several patches. Can we take some of those shoots and transplant them now? Probably, uh, I, you know, we don't know what the weather's going to be like. Let's put it that way. So okay. if you if you dig something up in bamboo, you understand it. They're all those canes that are coming up out of the ground are connected. So it's like a big network. It's like a giant spider web of roots underneath the ground. So okay. you can dig up individual, let's say, shoots that are coming up, but just make yeah. sure you go on, you know, six inches or so on each side of the shoot, and when you pry it up out of the ground, that you are getting some root system root. with that. Okay, got that. Okay. What I would do, too, is because if you want to do some of it now, that's fine, but I would probably let them get established in pots first. So, in other words, you know, take them up out of the ground, put them in pots, grow them for a year or so in the pots so you know that everything's okay before you put it back into the ground. Now, bamboo is very tough. It's very durable. You've had experience with it, obviously. But, you know, I would recommend doing it through the pot circumstance just to kind of give you a little bit more security. Right, right. A more established uh, shoot would be better with some roots. On it. No. Exactly. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, and when you're putting it in a pot, make sure you use potting mix, not potting soil. Okay, potting mix. Got it. All right, great. Thanks. Let's stay in St. Louis to save gas and go over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Um, hi. I, we have an acre of zoysia, and it's being infested with black medic. And we put a pre-emergent down and a post-emergent. But um, can I use, like, bonide weed breed ultra? to kill the weeds, and then just leave them there, and hopefully our zoysia will go go back? (laughs) Yeah, certainly it should, but also realize that that black medic has been producing seed. So you're going to have to next year again put the the pre-emergent down and do all that other stuff that's needed. Well, 
apparently the pre-emergent and post-emergent didn't help. The black medic just seemed to like feed it, and it's just taken over my grass. <laughs> <laughs> I've been That's... picking I've been picking areas out that I can control, but there's some areas that it's just amazing. Uh, you know, so you're just, I mean it's just going to be a multiple year battle to get this thing, you know, to put together. So now when did you put this pre-emergent down? Um it was I think April. Okay, think. so that was maybe a little bit late cuz you really should do it when the forsythia is in bloom. Okay. So if you do it too late, then the seeds, once they're germinated, the pre-emergent doesn't kill. But then after the post-emergent should have had an impact on us. So I would give the bonite a try. But it's, again, if you have a large amount of any kind of weed in your well-established lawn, regardless of the type, then it's going to be a little bit difficult for you to get this you know, thing, situation under control. So if I spray it, can I just leave the weeds and they'll die on their own? Well, the weeds will die, but that does not mean that the seeds that they've been dropping while they've been growing are not just there because you're not doing a thing for the seed factor. Oh, okay. So just realize that pre-emergent is the only way to get rid of, let's say, seeds that have fallen from annual weeds. Like with the black medic, there's... Also, this time, that's a warm season weed, so that means yellow forsythian bloom, and that's when you put it down. That means ragweed, purslane, spurge, mel, you know, all kinds of different weeds, crabgrass, of course. So that's when, you know, you get a lot of different things under control. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Certainly. Uh, bye. Now let's go to, uh, oh, let's go west to Chesterfield into Holly's yard. Hi, Holly. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a question. My neighbor has a purple flower growing as ground cover, and it's kind of coming into my yard. Now, I don't mind that so much, except she wants to kill it. Uh, can you tell me what this is? <laughs> it's a little tough. How flat is it? How low is it? Oh, it's, it's low. It's low, low. So it's low, and is it in flower right now? Yes. Are the leaves are it's like little stalks of flowers that come up out of the center of the of the the foliage? No, it it almost looks like strawberries, uh, strawberry leaves with the the little tiny tiny purple flowers. Hmm. Boy, and I don't. I had it in my my a couple of them in my yard in the spring, but then they disappeared. I think it looks kind of pretty, but she doesn't like it. She thinks it's very evasive. Yeah. You know, I can't even think of what it would be if the leaves look like strawberries and it has purple well, flowers. It, it, no, the the well, the leaves don't look like regular leaves. I mean, they're it's the leaves are pretty tiny, and but they remind me of strawberry leaves. Mm. They could be. I don't know. Maybe, maybe just zap the, the 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 strawberry leaves and go with just plain leaves. <laughs> well, there, yeah. <laughs> so, do you know what a plant called a juga looks like? Yes, it's not a juga. So it's not a juga, no, and it's, it's in flower right now. Yes, and it's very tiny. The but but they're massive. I mean, it just looks like a, uh, a grass with a whole bunch of little purple, tiny little flowers in it, and it's beautiful. I think. Wow. But she wants to get rid of it. I don't know. She's got uh, somebody coming out to take a look at it, but I don't trust him. And so that's why I'm calling you, because I thought maybe I could give her a different way to go. Well, you know, what does it matter if she kills it off if you already have it in your yard because you have a stand already there established? So it doesn't matter what she does to her stuff. Okay. 
So let it's her funny. kill it off or let her, you know, dance under a full moon or whatever it happens to be. And then you just enjoy whatever it is, because I still don't have a clue what would be, you know, from your description. Sorry, I'm just not smart enough. Well, gee whiz. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just uh, tell her do as she wants then. Yeah, and uh, what you know, if you'd like to, you could just uh, take a picture and then email me the picture, and I can take a look at it. I could probably identify it from that. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. And good luck with that. And let's see if we can get another quick call before we go to break. Dave in South County, how are you? Hello, Dave. Yes. Go ahead, uh, Mike. I've got uh, two crepe myrtles, and they never get bigger than about a foot and a half to two feet, and then they die die back in the winter time, and they come back and they, and they're they they look healthy. They're they're the purple leaf kind, and it uh, but they never get any bigger than two feet, and, and they've been in the ground for like three years. And and my wife says she thinks that it's a sun problem that they. They like full sun, and this is partial shade because of trees around it and here and there. Now, is that is that the problem, you think? It could be, but now you said that it's a purple leaf variety or it's a purple flower variety? No, it's a purple leaf. It, 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 okay. it hasn't bloomed it, it, at, at ever. It has never bloomed. So it's probably Either one of them. It's a hybrid that's probably been hybridized to be a dwarf. And then the circumstance, it's probably not a great variety for here because you don't see that many of purple leaf, you know, crepe myrtles growing around throughout the region. So I think, you know, that's why it's small. The fact it's not flowering is probably just, you know, this is just not the best place for it. So you think it's out of its zone, huh? Exactly. If you have any friends south of Memphis, why don't you just dig them up and ship them down UPS and let them have them? Okay, Mike. Thank you very much. Certainly. Have a good have a good day. You do the same. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. As folks, questions, concerns, or comments, maybe somebody knows this uh, ground cover that has the purplish flowers, the you know, small leaves that look like strawberries but don't look like strawberries and yeah, sorry, I couldn't come up with that. But uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Heading out to St. Peter's and into Mark's yard. Hi, Mark. Uh, good morning, Mike. Hi. Hi. Uh, I had a question. Uh, I've got, like, uh, bluegrass and fescue in my, in my yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, could I fertilize this time of year? It's a little bit premature. Wait for another. Wait till let's say, mid to late August. Because we don't know what's going to happen. That's a cool season lawn, and your applications of fertilizer are going to be like a fall feeding type fertilizer. Unless you're putting seed down, then you're going to put a seed starter down at the same time your seed goes down. But then you're going to do fall feeding after that. But it's a little bit early. Okay, thanks, Mike. Yeah, if, if you would put it down now, you could force some growth. You could, you know, I mean, it's kind of dormant because of the heat and everything else. It's a... Uh, anyway, so... Thanks, Mark. And now let's go out to Rolla and into Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. How are you today? Very good. I have a spare car that the squirrels got into with the gas line, and about 10 gallons of gas made it onto the grass. Ooh. So I have a big brown spot. Do I have to replace that dirt, or is there something I can treat it with? So grass grows again. I don't think there's anything that I can think of that can treat for, like, you know, contamination due to gasoline. 
But okay. uh, so you're going to have to probably go down several inches, you know, and okay. replace it with like a compost topsoil mixture, and you know, okay. blend it in with just just don't dig the hole and just dump you know soil back into that spot. You're going to have to go slightly beyond where the damage is and blend all this together with the existing soil, so you can create a sort of a cohesive environment. Okay, so I can keep that existing soil then. Uh, the existing soil I would throw away. Okay. But I'm saying okay. with the existing soil on the perimeter beyond where the damage was done by the gasoline. Okay, perfect. I will do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's too bad. I you know, hate to hear that. But, yeah, gasoline is not something that uh, it's going to kill all the micronutrients and everything, all the, let's say, living quality that soil has, and then you can't really replace it. And it will never work. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I tried throwing some potting soil on it, some grass seed, and, <laughs> yeah, it's not doing anything. Right. The only other option is just every time you head in that direction, put on some rose-colored glasses, and then you won't see the dead spot. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's in the worst place possible, right coming up to the house. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> of course. <laughs> good luck, Bob. Okay, thank you. Have yep. a good day. Yep, and now let's go into Joe's yard, and Joe's in Columbia. Hi, Joe. Morning. How's it going? Very good. I think I uh, know the uh, low-growing purple flower plant your uh, a previous caller called about. It's, uh, an, it is very invasive. It's commonly called Creeping Charlie. Whoa! Uh, it does have a small little purple flower. It does have foliage that resembles um, strawberry yeah, foliage, it's roundish, although it's really, yeah. really little. Yeah, it's roundish foliage, but you know, I don't think of it as the flower being purple. I always think of it being more bluish. So maybe yeah, that's why I miss purple. that. It, yeah, yeah, maybe the maybe shade or sun makes a difference for the flower color. Well, but thanks. The neighbor and I have uh, uh, agree with your caller's neighbor. We have fought very hard to get rid of creeping Charlie, and it's it's not easy. No, it isn't. And creeping Charlie is an annual weed too. So you know, it's you know, it's just a very tough, durable weed. There's no getting around it. So right, it goes and goes and goes, and each one of those flowers is going to produce seeds, and then you got you know the next generation of seeds coming. So that's you know tragic. Well, good luck. Good luck to your caller. <laughs> yes, she's going to need it. So thanks, Joe. I mean, that was very insightful. But yeah, that's you know the purple threw me, but uh, shows you I'm not smart enough. Anyway, let's go now to South County. And into Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Hi, Mike. I've got a beautiful Colorado blue spruce, and I just noticed it's got uh, bag worms all <sighs> over it. What do I do? There is no insecticide that can penetrate those bags. Mm-hmm. Once they're attached, they're, you know, there's nothing. So you're going to have to go out there and snip them off with, like, a pair of uh, scissors. Okay. And then you can, you know, just throw them away if you want to. They're all what's in that bag, if it's a let's say a, a relatively new bag from this year, is eggs. And that and then next spring those eggs are going to hatch, and then you have a bunch of little ones that come out of there, and then they start building their own bags and blah blah blah. When, but, is there a time that you can spray your tree to prevent that, or no? There's not a preventative, truly not. Uh, but what you can do is just in the springtime, if you know you have some bags, is start going out there on pretty much of a routine basis uh-huh. because once the eggs hatch and they come emerging out of the bag and they start gathering you know, needles to make their own bag. So you can see them, they're you know, like a quarter inch to a half inch long and they're creeping along the top side of the stems of the, or the branches or the twigs or whatever. Because I'm looking at one right now and it's moving. It's actually moving? 
Yes. In the wind or it's crawling? No, there's the bag is moving. So if the bag is moving, give it a shot and see if, you know, because that is the time. Usually this doesn't happen this time of year. So huh. it's usually a little bit earlier than this. So okay. if the bag is moving, then the thing that's pulling the bag along, you know, just spray the insecticide right on it. Okay. Right in its face. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Certainly. All right, bye. <laughs> and now let's, whoa, creeping bags this time of year. Mm. Shows you what this weather's doing. It's messing up everything. Brian in Greenville, Illinois, how are you today? Good. Thanks, Mike. Uh, we also had bag worms really bad this year, too, just FYI, and uh, worms are still active. Really? But, yeah, they just, they'll come out and they do their little silk, but uh, that's not the reason I called. My wife, we planted her a lilac bush um, this Mother's Day, and the leaves are turning brown uh, from the bottom up. Uh, any ideas on that? Uh, bottom up usually means overwatering. Okay. So cut back on the watering. Lilacs, make sure, hopefully you've planted it high with about you know 20% of the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground in full sun. And, you, you know, everybody wanted to make sure, especially newly installed things, didn't, you know, got watered because it's been such a dry circumstance. But you have to be really careful with some of these things not to overwater. So that's probably what's happened. Okay. So just cut back on the watering yeah. and that should... And keep, your, and keep your fingers crossed because usually brown foliage means the root system's been, let's say, diminished, you know, and consequently, hopefully there's enough root system there for it to recover. Okay. Thanks a lot. I appreciate your show. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on your show, as you well know. Paul lives in St. Louis. Paul, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for your uh, tips. Uh, I got uh, nutgrass, a long string greeny, and it grows those the little seeds on top, and I had heard you, uh, I don't know, a week or so ago about when you pull them up, there's seeds attached to the bottom. Yeah, there's and seeds. I've even gone... Go ahead. Oh, go on. Well, yeah, the root system, it produces seeds, you know, above the ground, you know, and those things that you just described, but also the white roots in the ground, potentially if it's a mature, let's say, a nutgrass plant, it could have seeds on the end of the, uh, you know, the root system, which the white roots. Well, it's in a small perennial garden on the side of my porch, uh, maybe eight by eight. And um, I've been pulling it out, and I've actually get down with a paintbrush and just paint uh, herbicide directly on them is one way I've gotten rid of them. But I was just wondering, when you said about the seeds, I've been pulling them up, you know, trying to get rid of them that way. But it seems like I can never, ever get rid of it all the way. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, sometimes those seeds can lay dormant. You know, if it's been there for a while, for a couple years before they germinate. So, and also, if you're using an herbicide, use something like Sedge Ender by Bonide. So, it strictly is for sedge, you know, or nutgrass. And so, that's what you got to use. If you don't use that, then most of the herbicides are not going to be all that effective. Okay. Well, I was using Spectricide, but I got to paint each little blade of grass by hand, and that seems to work. But... You said sedge. What is it called sedge again? Sedge Ender. E N D E R. Okay. And it's by Bonide. All right. Appreciate your show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. And now let's Thanks. go. Oh, should we take a break? Okay. James says we should take a break. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, or helping me out, 
314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back to the chickweed story, the one, you know, please keep your questions very simple because I only get to make two mistakes or I can't answer two questions a week or else I'm... Anyway, enough of that. But what chickweed is, it's a cool season weed. So that means if you have chickweed in your yard and you want to get rid of it for next year, you have to apply a pre-emergent in mid to late August. So in other words, the chickweed, the henbit, the annual bluegrass, this, you know, those are the kind of weeds that germinate that time of year in August, you know, early September, and then grow all through the wintertime, and then they go dormant or they go away. That's why I'm surprised that hers was still looking good. You know, this late in the season, usually the heat of the summertime kills off the chickweed or the bluegrass or the henbit, the annual bluegrass. So chickweed, pre-emergent control. If this is chickweed, you're putting the pre-emergent down in August, mid to late August. So now let's go back onto the phones. And Mike lives in Chesterfield. Hi, Mike. Uh, Mike, how are you? Hey. I'm having bagworms first time in 30 years, Ooh. and they're active, okay? And a couple other things, there are no fireflies anywhere. I, and all the talking guy in Wisconsin, same way, I have seen zero almost uh, um, lightning bugs this year. Really? And this, the next couple of days, 25 years ago, that's when the flood hit Chesterfield. Remember 25 years ago, everywhere? So, yeah, think about that, the weather then. <laughs> That's very true. That was Chesterfield Valley was a little scary at that time. Well, every place was here. That's true. Everywhere around St. Louis. Right. Yeah, that's very, very true. Yeah, so uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, and what I was going to say is, uh, you know, the bagworms, so that shows you what the weather can really do as far as knocking things out of cycle, whether it's weeds, whether it's insects or anything else. But lightning bugs, that's kind of interesting because maybe you should sell your house in Chesterfield and move to the city because we have quite a few, you know, around our, our yard. The nice thing about lightning bugs, they're fun. You know, unfortunately, as stupid kids, we collected them, put them in jars, and we killed way too many. That was, you know, growing up in Ellisville. But what it is is the larvae of the lightning bug is called an aphid lion, and it, it really consumes a lot of problematic, you know, not only aphids but other insects as well. So that's the advantage of having lightning bugs. It's just not the neat things at night and everything else. The babies, the larvae, you know, really help with some of the insect control. So thank you. And now let's go to Lori in University City. Hi, Lori. Hey, how are you, Mike? Good. Good. Listen, I have two questions. One, I have a smoke bush or a smoke tree, mm-hmm. and um, it has a nice shape. But in this weather, it has, it has literally, it has some shoots off of it that are five, four feet longer than the rest of anything else. <laughs> And I mean, there's, as I'm looking at it, there's, yeah, there's, there's lots of, there's a nice round shape to it. And then everything else is like some random three foot shoots, but then there's this one that's out of control. And I'm thinking, wow, these are crazy. Anyway, I don't know. I I don't know if now is the time to, if I should trim those back. It's very, you know, odd looking, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I, you know, I, you could do it now, but I would probably wait till the weather cools down a little bit more. So wait until sure. around Labor Day and do it at that time. 
But this, you know, smoke trees or cotinus is the Latin name. They're colonizers. So what they want to do is they want to send more shoots out and more shoots and more shoots and just get bigger and bigger and bigger at the base. Even if they're originally sold as a tree, technically they are still just a shrub. So the suckering growth is a result of, you know, triggering factors. Who knows what it happens to be in your circumstance. But you can cut any any of that kind of stuff off that kind of ruins the shape of what you like. But just do right. it when the weather cools a little bit. Okay. My other question was with um, Wigula or Wigula, is uh, they're they're nice and big and thick and bushy. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, I just there was just some random sprouts I just want or shoots I wanted to trim. And it, and I mean I'm happy to wait till the fall. I didn't think if I trimmed a few today that that would be an issue. But I thought eh, I'm on the phone. Why not? Yeah, I mean I would probably the Wigelia. Yeah, any kind of thing that just comes shooting out and is a little bit more problematic. I just don't like to prune when it's really hot. That's just you yes. know my you know just my opinion because where you've made the cut. With the humidity, even though it's cooler today and everything else, the bacteria problems and the virus oh, problems right. and those kind of things are just, you know, exponentially much worse now. So an open wound, you can't put any paint or anything on it because the paints, the pruning sealers and all that other stuff no longer have lead, so they don't really help anything. So I'm just saying you're just not – just be patient and don't open up any open – or don't open any wounds that could be an invitation for bacteria problems. Got it. Great. Thank you. Thank you for your show. Well, thank you for having me on your show. And you Mary is in East Alton. Mary, how are you? Yes, I have about a 40-year-old pin oak tree, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know what is going wrong, but there is some, it's got like a little hole on it, in it, and, and then there's stuff coming out of it. It's a liquid oozing out. And what would that be? Uh, is the lower part of the trunk, or where is this? It's a, Yes, it's toward the lower part, yes. I, I would say about five, six foot up. Yeah, usually the, oak trees are not really impacted all that much by bores, but it could be a bore. But if the tree is overall healthy, I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. If you wanted to have a tree service come out and do an injection, you know, to get rid of the potentially bores, usually the bores are like at the bottom three or four, you know, three or four feet, five feet mm-hmm. is a little bit higher. So this may be just, you know, a stress factor where, the you know, it's just oozing out this time of year. A lot of the fruit trees and things like that do that same thing. So if, you know, a borehole will be the you know, So go out there, clean the sap away. A borehole will be about the size of a pencil lead. Okay. And then you can find out if it is, and then you can get a hold of a tree service, and they can come out and take a look and see if you know if you need an injection system or not. Uh huh. Well, if I don't do anything at all, will that kill it? No. <clears throat> it won't. Well, I mean, it may you know eventually, but a single borer is not going to kill a tree, especially a forty-year-old tree if it's overall healthy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help there. Well, I appreciate you calling and having me on your show. And, folks, we got another hour of the Garden Hotline, so take a look around out your windows or walk through your yard. I mean, the morning is absolutely spectacular. And if you do have any questions or concerns or comments, you can give a call after the news. So, boy, it's really it's nice to have the coolness finally. It's nice to have some rain predicted. Again, I'm going to remind everybody, water today, if it rains tonight, that's going to help the water penetrate into the ground because that is extremely important. 
So penetration down into the root system is what you need to do. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you after the news. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.